long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. It is a dark time for Star Wars toy collectors. The elusive rare collectibles are impossible to find. Online providers toss action figures loosely into boxes, resulting in damaged collectibles. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Enter Jet's Toy Hut with the best hand-packed shipping online, seven sizes of custom Toy Hut boxes in packing peanuts, bubble wrap, and air pillows. For a zero-movement policy, Toy Hut is the best option this side of the Dagobah system. Toyhut.com All too easy. White Nose Syndrome. It's not as fun for bats as it is for us. I'm Joe Fulgham. Blah, I want to bomb your city. I'm Kevin Leeson. Not only will I drink your blood, but I'm going to pee on you at the same time. I'm Yvonne Morin. Bats for dinner? Mmm, you can really taste the paramyxovirus. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda! Thank you. Have a bat. Our topic today is bats. <laughs> is that the wing sound? I think that was the wing. I was trying to do okay. wings. I was just smacking your bat-like lips in the hopes of getting some blood or uh-huh. fruit juice or something. And our guest, our special uh, guest for this, uh, this episode is Yvonne. Yvonne Morin from Queensland, Australia. Hello. How are you? Very well. It's very early here, but... Um... Marvelous. Well, uh, what exactly are your bona fides, Yvonne? I used to be a wild animal keeper. Uh, I've worked with all sorts of species, but at the moment I'm doing a lot of rescue of Australian bat species. Um, I take them off barbed wire, out of fruit netting, save them from road trauma and power lines. And um, I'm about to start a master's degree investigating cognition and problem solving in flying foxes. Do you work for an agency or anything like that? Or uh, are you, this is just a hobby? Um, I'm a volunteer with an organization called Bats Queensland. Bat rescue is quite specialized. You have to be vaccinated against rabies and, and know how to handle them. There's not many people out there who do bat rescue. A lot of people don't even like bats, um, so I'm one of the crazy ones. Those people are jerks. <laughs> I figure, now, now a lot of bats eat mosquitoes, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes them my ally. There's some species of microbat that it can eat up to a thousand mosquitoes in an hour, so... I will celebrate them yearly. My other bona fide is I've got four bats with me as we're speaking. Mm. Oh. Pantaloons, Ponsonby and Liliac, <laughs> and thickets. Oh, oh. thickets. <laughs> 
Nice. Thickets is a uh, sub-adult. He's a little broad-nosed microbat, and he's about as big as my thumb. Wow. He was found under a wheelie bin. Uh, under a what? A wheelie bin. Is that what you call them? What a is wheelbarrow, that? I think. No, uh, it's like a rubbish bin that you put by the side of the road. Oh, wheels right. Okay. So I guess what do you guys call that? A, a, a rubbish bin <laughs> with wheels. <laughs> a, a garbage can? Yeah. That's where Torn spends most of his time, too. That's true. And he was nearly dead, so... Um, he was brought in oh, to how- me, and uh, I've been feeding him up on mealworm guts, and he's good to go. So he'll be released tonight back into the wild. Oh, that's exciting. And the other three bats I've got are uh, eight-week-old orphan flying foxes. So all of their mums were killed, unfortunately, and I'm hand-raising them, and eventually they'll be released into the wild. But they're all really good-looking. They are super cute. Now, flying foxes, those are those tend to be quite big, right? They're, they're fruit bats? Is that what those are? Yep, they're fruit bats. They've got faces that look like little dogs or bears, so they're incredibly cute, particularly the babies. Oh, right before it eats your face off! If you've got fruit on your face. <laughs> okay, yeah. If your face is made of fruit. <laughs> yeah. So the word origin comes from Old Danish nathbaki, which means night bat, and Old Norse Lior Blaka leather flapper. So the original sense is uh, most likely just a flapper. Well, that makes sense. They do a lot of flapping. Uh, what is it? Uh, the order that they're in is Choroptera. Is that right? It's the yep, order? Choroptera. And that's uh, from the Greek chyre, meaning hand, and pteron, meaning wing. Hand wing. Yeah, okay. So they got wings instead of hands, or hands. their hands are the end of their wings. Their hands basically are their wings. Yeah, so anytime you see like a, a cartoon or a movie or something where something has big bat wings and then they have little hands on the end of their mm-hmm. wings, that is wrong. That is bad science. Uh, okay. So their entire wing is their hand? Is exactly. That, that's, so it's not that they have wings with hands on them, that the entire wing is basically a hand with skin stretched out in the middle? Exactly. Oh. Part of the wing extends from pretty much their abdomen up to their elbow, and then their hands are made of really, really super long digits. So they've got exactly the same bones as us, but if you just imagine that your fingers are stretched massively long so that they could touch the ground, got and it. then all covered with webbing. That's batwing. And that okay. webbing is called a patagium? Patagium. Say it with me, guys. Patagium. What does that feel like? Well, a lot of people think it's, you know, feels a bit like leather, but it's actually made of, it's a bilayered epidermis with connective tissue in the middle, and it's got a lot of collagen and elastic fibers, so it's actually really pliable and supple. And probably the best analog for it is if you were to touch your eyelid or the skin around your eye. Uh-huh. That's the same sort of feel. So it's slightly clammy and warm. Because the way you described it, it sounded like the best toilet paper ever. <laughs> it's a little bit too clammy for that. Oh. <laughs> you don't know how I like my toilet paper, though. It's not very absorbent. <laughs> I guess that's true. The other cool thing about potassium is that they can actually breathe partly through it. What? Because the layer is so thin, about 10% of their oxygen comes through diffusion through their wings. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, so 10%? Is... Like gills or something? Like No, it just permeates across the membrane. So the the, uh, the red blood cells pick up the oxygen from being basically close to the surface? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Okay. And do they breathe out? And it out? helps them regulate their body temperature and their water balance and, and all sorts of things. So pretty neat structures. Do they breathe out of their wings as well? Oh, I don't mm. know. Do they have wing farts, I guess is, is, what I'm, is what I'm getting at? So the human analogy of this would be if we breathe through our armpits. Pretty much. Oh. Hmm. That would be horrible. 
We definitely do fart through our armpits, <laughs> yeah. as any fifth grader could tell you. Now, what happens if a bat gets a hole in its uh, patagium? We get a lot of barbed wire rescues. So what happens is the bat hits the barbed wire, gets caught, tries to escape, tangles itself around, and you end up with this bat basically just wrapped around barbed wire with perforations all through it. Uh-huh. We can get there in time. We can usually save them. Otherwise, unfortunately, if we don't get there in time, they usually try and bite their way out, Ooh. which means they destroy all their teeth Ooh. on the wire. Ooh. But now a bat who has some holes in their patagium. But a bat that we've saved and it's got some holes, it really depends on where the holes are. If there's enough blood flow to the wing that it's not going to die off, then yeah, the wing can be saved. And we don't stitch it up or anything. It just heals itself. It closes in from the outside of the hole. It just sort of gets smaller and smaller over time. Occasionally it'll just scab up. But I've seen bats flying around here and there's massive holes in their wings. So they can survive. If they're flying around with some holes in their wings, they make like a whistling noise. That'd be cool. It would be cool. I've not heard it. It's not like the classic, uh, you know, recorder sound from, you know, elementary school. <laughs> Some kind of uh, samurai-like uh, whistle sound before the attack. <laughs> Flight of the Valkyries, maybe, if you got really creative. Now, the phobia of bats is chiroptophobia. Fear of the hand wing. And some notable characters with chiroptophobia are Ace Ventura. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh. Hank Hill from King of the Hill. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And Bruce Wayne from uh, in Batman Begins. Oh, of course. As a kid, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a pretty embedded psychological reason for that. Now, bats are, uh, they're the only mammal naturally capable of true and sustained flight as opposed to gliding, as in uh, flying squirrels. Mm -hmm. All right, got it. Things of that nature. But they are not rodents. They look rodent-like. Yeah, I'd always thought of them as mice with wings. How closely related are they? Not very. They're actually their own order, Coroptera, as we said. And um, Carl Linnaeus, who was the first guy to do all the classifications, he actually put them in with the primates. Mm. And so there's most... a little bit of evidence to say that they may actually be quite closely related to primates. They are more closely related to us than they are to rodents. <laughs> okay. All right. Their skeletons look almost like humans, except with massively stupid long fingers. Yeah, yeah I've got a great uh, picture of a, uh, of a flying fox fruit bat skeleton here I can put up. So what you're saying, Yvonne, is there still a chance I could become Batman? There's a sh- I got an outside shot. In fact, that's what my re- research is related to. I'm just going to will the webbing between my fingers to start growing. And then I'm going to take to the skies, Joe. Take to the skies! You're going to have to switch to eating bugs and fruit, though. Mm, bugs, maybe. Fruit, eh. Or you could be the world's, world's, world's first pizza bat. <laughs> Ooh, pizza bat. <laughs> now, what is the difference between a mega bat and a micro bat? Oh, I know size. Is it size? I'll bet you it's size. Is it size? Partially. Yes and no. Oh, damn it. You can get megabats that are really tiny. Not tiny, tiny, but a little bit tiny. And you can get microbats that are a little bit big. It's actually more to do with what they eat and how they navigate. So megabats are generally the bigger ones. Um, They're also known as flying foxes or fruit bats or blossom bats. They only eat fruit, except some of them eat nectar. Are there no insectivorous megabats? They probably eat, you know, one or two insects that are on the fruit, just like we do. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently there's lots of insect parts in our peanut butter, but no, they're all vegetarian. And the microbats? And the microbats are the ones that eat the insects. Suck blood. Suck blood. So they're sanguivores. I've Mm. seen pictures in the National Geographic 
of bats grabbing fish out of the water and eating frogs and stuff like that as well. There's a few that eat um, little tiny frogs and fish and, and, and that sort of thing, but those are also the microbats. So they have to be microbats. Those have to be microbats. Though DNA is quite different, actually, the, the megabats and the microbats. Although they're related to each other, they're not um, as closely related as you might think. Uh, I've heard that microbats, uh, for their size, are extremely long-lived. They've got a really fast metabolism, so their heart rate's about 800 to 1,000 beats per minute. Whoa! (laughs) When you get something that's that tiny and with such a high metabolism, usually they don't live very long. You know, if your heart's beating 1,000 times a minute... It just gets worn out. You know, for their size, something like a mouse lives a year or two. Microbats can live to 45 years. Good gravy. And with that kind of heart rate, you know what I imagine? If you strapped like a hundred of them to like a Barco lounger, it'd be like a, it'd become an instantaneous massage chair, right? Barco lounger? Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard those words before. Uh, it's a lazy boy, Barco lounger, okay. recliner. All <laughs> the same it's, thing. It's a, it's a term from the 70s. Oh, yeah. very good. I've heard it, but I don't know if I've ever actually looked up what the Barco part means. So, well, we'll put a picture up on CausticSoapPodcast.com of a Barco can... lounge. <laughs> Most convenient massage chair of all time would just be, you know, strapping a bunch of bats to your chair. I like it. The squealing. You gotta, you'd gotta. probably have to be deaf, though, <laughs> for, for all the squealing. And then there's the, there's the echolocating. So there's, there's... <laughs> your chair would always know where you were. Any mosquitoes come near you, they just feed your chair. There's no drawback to this idea at all. I can't think of a single one, except maybe we'll get to the guano section a little later and we can talk about that. Now, what about when uh, microbats go into their torpor? I said their heart rate's up to 1,000 beats per minute, but when they go into torpor, they can take it down to about 30, and they can drop their temperature down to about 2 degrees. So this is basically hibernation. Kind of. Like suspended animation. But it's massively difficult for them to wake up out of it. It takes them about 30 or 40 days' worth of stored energy Mm. to wake up. What? They have to feed immediately upon waking. That's like Joe on a Sunday morning. Yeah. (laughs) It's really, really hard for them. If you disturb hibernating bats, then, you know, you could be killing them. Oh, really? Apparently this happened on the set of Expendables 2, which is another reason not to watch the film. Uh, (laughs) One of many, I'm sure. (laughs) They were filming in Bulgaria. They were doing some illegal filming in a cave and made so much noise that 22,000 very rare cave bats were killed. Oh, no. 22,000. So they wake up, and if they're not mowing down on a mango right away... They just drop dead. Or insects. Yeah. I, I assume that uh, it was probably um, Tall Lundgren. And Stallone. <laughs> and Stallone going, <laughs> It screwed up their echolocation. They started running into walls and yeah, whatnot. It was supposed to be a really touching scene of uh, getting back together and understanding And then everybody. all these bats were but falling from the from <laughs> Stallone out of couldn't shot. Help, Stallone couldn't help but firing a, a semi-automatic machine gun in the air and going, <laughs> All right, well, let's do a pop quiz. All right. True or false, bats are blind. False. False. They have eyes. They must be able to see, but they're probably not very good at it. That's my guess. Yvonne, do you agree with this statement? The megabats have really good vision. Uh-huh. Even though they're nocturnal, yeah, they've got really good vision. They don't tend to echolocate, so they actually have to be able to see really well in the dark. So all bats are nocturnal? Yep. All bats are nocturnal. So because they can't echolocate, megabats have to be able to see really well. Microbats have tiny little eyes by comparison, and they don't see as well, but they still see. Right. So when somebody says uh, blind is a bat, I can say, oh, you mean not at all blind? That's right. (laughs) Right. Joe does like calling people out on factoids. You can say, do you mean a megabat or a microbat? (laughs) There you go. Can you specify? (laughs) All right. How many species of bats are there, Joe? 
2,300. $77 million. <laughs> About 1,240 bat species. I was in the oh, general yeah. area. You're better than Kevin, that's for sure. Which is actually a lot when you consider mammals. There's, I mean, there's millions of insect species and, and, and lots of reptiles and things, but there's not that many mammals in the world. And bats are about 20% of all mammals. What? Oh, wow. So if you meet a mammal, there's a one in five chance it's a bat. <laughs> I, that's the way it works. Isn't that how it, that's, that's exactly. how math works? <laughs> okay, so there's four of us here at the recording. So one of us so is probably there's a chance one of us is three quarters bat. I, I think it's Mike. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we got five. We got Mike. There's five of us there here. There we go. We're counting Yvonne. So one of us is definitely a bat. True enough. It's got to be Mike. What is? Does the... he have a patagium? Oh, he, I wouldn't know. But Kevin, he's your brother. Does he have a patagium? Uh, I've I've never looked. So you have never not seen one. I've, I, every time he walks in the room, I avert my gaze. Can I confirm right? or deny? He's not sanguivorous, is he? <laughs> uh, what is the largest living bat? Uh, the, the flying Mike fox? Leeson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's quite large. Uh, I'm going to go flying fox. Yvonne, do you know what particular flying fox is the largest bat? There's one that lives in Malaysia that's got a wingspan... About one and a half meters. The giant golden crown flying fox. So for our U.S. listeners, uh, one and a half meters is about four and a half feet. That is a pretty big wingspan yeah, for, well, the, yeah. for, a, for a bat. The figure I have is 1.7 meters or four foot seven inches. Oh, well, there you go. And how much does the smallest living bat weigh? One ounce. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even say half an ounce. Oh, is it tiny? Like you guys I, are uh, split the difference there, okay. guys. Three it's uh, 0.7 to 0. 0.9 ounces, which is two to two point six grams, which is about the weight of a penny. Wow, yeah, that's small. It's called the bumblebee bat, and it's from Asia. And yeah, it's about the size of a bumblebee. It's called the bumblebee bat just because of size. It's not like black and yellow. It doesn't have a stinger. There's no. no it wish. doesn't make honey. I wish <laughs> its guano tastes like honey. Honey bats. Now, of the 1,240 bat species, how many species feed on blood, Joe? Oh, boy. Uh, 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 so out of 1,200 and something, I- I'm going to say 300, like not most of them. Uh, four. Very close, Yvonne. Well, there's the common vampire bat, there's the white-winged vampire bat, and there's the hairy-legged vampire bat. That's three. All right. So three. I still was wrong by uh, price of right standards. I was but... only off by two orders of magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And these all live in Latin America. Don't go to Latin America. That's what that means, folks. Yep. <laughs> Never go you know, to Latin America. Unless you have a blood-draining fetish. Uh, well, between the the vampire bats and the chupacabra, you're pretty much going to get drains. It's true. Well, uh, and the candiro, the dreaded candiro. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How many bats in a typical litter? Oh, bats are called litters? I didn't realize when, that. When they have baby bats. Have like, like kittens? Yeah. Okay. Uh, How many kittens come out of a bat? Uh, six. Uh, three. They only have one. That's not much of a litter, is it? Basically, because they have to be able to fly while they're holding on to the baby and also while they're pregnant. But there's occasionally twins, and I actually saw a Siamese twin bat the other day. Whoa. Was it capable of flying? Well, it it was only about two weeks old, and it had been either dropped or abandoned by its mum. 
Right. Yeah. Very often wild animals, if, if something's wrong with the baby, they just abandon it. <laughs> right, because they're... Cruel, it's kind of like nature. the Spartans, you know, if you can't make it. Or well, Klingons. It's because bats don't have freak shows, right? If they had <laughs> traveling carnivals, there would be a market. What was the joining point of the Siamese twin bats? Basically, it only had one head, four legs, and three and a half wings. Wow. It kind of was splitting down the bottom. And it was taken into the hospital where I volunteer sometimes. They did an x-ray of it and it showed that its organs were multiple and it had sort of a very strange curvature of the spine. And all of that showed that it wasn't going wasn't gonna to survive very right. well. It didn't right. fly like two and a half times as good as other bats. Amazingly enough, it had made it to two weeks old. So Hearty or double hearty. <laughs> what is Ecuador's tube-lipped nectar bat most known for? Tube-lipped it's nectar. tube lips. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Probably it's tube like lips. A three and a half inch tongue, which is half again as long as its body. So the the bat is one and a half inches long, and the tongue is three inches long. Three and a half inches, and it's like two inches long. People would need tongues about nine feet long to match the bat's proportion. It's like a hummingbird kind of thing. It like just yeah. like dips its tongue like down a tubular plant and licks up nectar. Exactly. All right. All so right. how does it store? Is it like a big uh, coil coil inside its head it, or something? It keeps its tongue stuffed down its throat. It doubled up in its esophagus. Okay. So okay. I guess it has a really long esophagus as well. And no gag reflex from its own tongue, <laughs> <Yeah>. I suppose. <laughs> True or false, all bats have rabies. True. False. It's less than 1% of the bat population. Oh. And the fact is, rabies kills the bat. It's not that they're carriers of it. If bat gets rabies, it's going to die pretty soon. So they're not carriers. But not before it frothes out the mouth and bites you on the jugular. Rabies does have that mechanism of spreading itself. It causes animals that would normally be afraid of other bigger animals to just go crazy and attack them. I did hear somewhere, probably on the internet, that if you wake up with a bat in your room, you should go and have a rabies shot or be checked out for rabies. Really? Hmm. Huh. That's what a gym teacher once told me. I'm, well, I'm skeptical. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> we should all do I, everything that our former gym teacher told us to do. First thing I would do is check myself for, for any kind of bite marks. Yeah. Because I don't think that it being in the room is going to give you rabies. See, here's the thing. If it's an insectivorous bat... I wonder how big a bite would be from a, a small bat. Maybe it's the tube-lipped nectar bat, and it was just it's, dipping its tongue in your it's open just mouth French while you're kissing you. Yeah, it's, it's, you got to stop eating candy right before going to bed because <laughs> it's attracting the fruit bats to your mouth while you sleep. Uh, true or false? Flying foxes poo out of their mouths. Oh, please be false. No, please be true. Why would you? Okay, it has to be true because what you wouldn't just make up poops out his mouth to go false. So it has to be true, and I'm so sad. Or yeah. would I? Or, or they do something like pooping out of their mouth that isn't pooping out of their mouth, but people think it's pooping out of their Maybe mouth. Maybe they like to eat poop. Flying foxes chew up fruit. They chew up a lot of fruit pulp. But because they need to fly, they don't want to have the weight of all the fruit. They actually just want the juice out of it. Okay. So they chew it up, and they spit out the pulp, and people think they're pooing. So they oh, eat fruit right. blood. And speaking of uh, bat poo, can you describe some uh, bat poo to us, uh? <laughs> Oh, please. Some guano? Some baby bat feces? Baby bat feces is particularly gross. <laughs> okay. Oh, don't spare the details. <laughs> I guess it's because they're on milk for the first, you know, a few weeks. Yeah, when it comes out, it's about the color and consistency of Coleman's American mustard. Okay. Mm, I love mustard on hot dogs. Mm. I don't think I do anymore. <laughs> and how does it smell? Does it smell like mustard as well? 
No. <laughs> I wish it did. No, it does not smell good at all. So this baby has been eating, uh, consuming milk from its mother, and the mother has been basically eating, eating fruit, fruit juice. Uh-huh. So fruit juice into milk, into baby, into poop, that cannot be good. And, of course, how does the poop uh, get off the baby? Mm. Uh, the mum cleans it. Oh, the oh. mum cleans it with their tongue. This is As like wildlife a... carers, we have to clean the babies, but I don't go that far. So this flying is... foxes do poo out of their mouths. <laughs> no, this is like the bat version of the human centipede. It's just not their own poo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so bats hang upside down in the trees. Right. You might think they'd get covered with poo. Right. But what they do is they flip upside down, they hang by their thumb hooks, and then they, they poo out. So if you see a bat flipping upside down, it's about to have a poo. <laughs> so now you get, oh, get out sort of the way. I discovered that the hard way when I, I was having my babies hanging off me and one of them flipped upside down and I thought, oh, what are you doing? Uh, that's a lesson you only need to learn once, yeah. right? I guess it's better than not giving you the warning and just like projectile pooing while still hanging upside down. Yeah, it was just, we're to just shoot it up in the air and hope exactly. that it doesn't land on it. Exactly. <laughs> Random directions of poo flinging everywhere. Like a confetti cannon or something. Yes. Here in Australia, they're all up in the trees and people put their cards underneath and then... You get your car covered in guano. It's quite corrosive as well. It's got that fruit acid in it. Can you watch it eating away? <laughs> it's your paint job, yeah. <laughs> your paint smokes and sizzles. <laughs> They've got the fastest gut transit time of any animal. Whoa. How long from in to out? Uh, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing, that gut transit doesn't mean something different in Australia. <laughs> it's like it's like an elevated rail system, right? Yeah, yeah, the gut transit. <laughs> right, So, but and there's the bat cars that they take into town. No, gut transit, you mean like digestion, the digestion time, right? The time that it goes from a, when from, it goes in to when it comes pooping. out. Uh, well, since it's fruit juice, uh, like 15 minutes, I think it could probably go through. I'm going to say like an hour and a half. Uh, an hour and 31 minutes. Oh, just yeah. in, oh, the, in the, the Price, price is right. right style. Nice. It's 11 minutes. Oh, oh we we're all, all over. I was close yep. to over. 11 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Because you don't want to keep that weight in you while you're flying around. Exactly. Though, I guess. So no. you sit in your tree, you take everything you need out, out of the fruit, and then you fly off and you're still nice and light. Uh, now, bats are present throughout most of the world. Every continent except Antarctica. Mm, they can't get away from them, chiroptophobes, unless you go to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> if you've got penguin phobia, then you're in trouble. <laughs> Penguins are kind of like bats. They're the bats uh, of the ocean. They're the yeah. bats, the of, bats the... of the ocean. <laughs> That's right. And, you Aquabats. Know, they fight against Batman. The penguin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The natural enemies. That's, That's right. right. The DC Comics. That's obviously why they're not in Antarctica. The yeah, penguin, been run the off penguin the would be a hero, except he's too fucking cold. It's <laughs> 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 cold. <laughs> and what are some of the ecological roles that bats play? Bats are actually probably one of the most important animals in the world, because without them, we wouldn't have any fruit. Any fruit? Bananas and mangoes. Oh, yeah. No. Nope. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like rum? Rum. Uh, I used to. Yeah. yeah. Not uh, since our alcohol episode. Yeah, bats are really, really important for spreading seeds and pollinating flowers. Um, and of course, as you said before, the ones that eat insects, mm-hmm. they have probably reduced the need for pesticides. Around the sugarcane fields for rum, they um, eat all the mosquitoes and uh, insects that eat sugarcane. So 
that is why the Bacardi company has a bat on its There you go. And they've also probably reduced malaria deaths in the world from eating all those mosquitoes as well, one would think. Good times. I'm pro-bat. This is all good. Let's talk about a few weird and interesting bats, specific species of bats. Okay. The disc-winged bats. Does that look like a flying saucer when it flies? Yeah. These are just, it just rotates. It doesn't <laughs> flap. <laughs> it's just like a helicopter. Uh... It's not very good because it keeps getting dizzy. Mm-hmm. No, it's got a small suction cup on each wing. Okay. So that's the disc of the disc wing. Yeah. Has this uh, adapted to live in cities with glass buildings? So just... Sticks to it the buildings seem a instead of hanging from trees. That's what I use to hold my baby on board sign for the uh, back of my station wagon. It's the display. <laughs> baby bat on board. What can you tell us about female Chinese fruit bats, Yvonne? Female Chinese fruit bats are the most popular fruit bats amongst the males. Uh-huh. They're the only animals in the whole world who've been shown, except for humans and bonobo chimps, to perform fellatio. Oh, uh. Wow. And I'm guessing not with a reproductive function. Actually, with a reproductive function. <laughs> okay. Oh, you just that that takes all the fun out of fellatio. Curvy scientists have studied them and recorded the time span of sexual intercourse in bats, as you do. Uh huh. They found that each extra second of oral sex adds to six more seconds of intercourse, which means a higher chance of getting pregnant. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's, hmm. you know, it's taken one out of the chamber, so they last a little bit longer on the old uh, reproductive side of things. Are they taking one of the chamber, or is this merely build-up to firing the gun? That's that's my question. It's, it seems, uh, I don't know. <laughs> when corruptologists, if that's a real word, get, get together... And go on dates, you're like, oh, I totally could use a bat job right now. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Well, I need is, to know. The, Inquiring minds want to know. This explains Batman and Catwoman quite a bit, though. Oh. Yeah, but cats have hooked tongues. <laughs> That's true. Which, that which, would is, be, which is that why... That is an excellent point. Which is why they're crazy about each other, but it can never be. <laughs> so it's not like the female Chinese fruit bat has, like, uterus in their throat. That's not what we're ha- what's happening No, here. this isn't what's happening there. I, okay. I don't know why it prolongs sex. More studies. More studies are needed. Maybe yeah. she's really bad at it, or maybe, like, the acid in the fruit in, in, in her mouth is... <laughs> Numbing effect or something. But the... you can watch it on YouTube. Oh. Or... <laughs> That's my private time. But in bat fellatio, you do get some other things. Or maybe, <laughs> or maybe the the lady female Chinese fruit bats just you know they just require a little extra loving. And what about they're very flexible. <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about echolocation because you can't really have a bad episode without talking about how echolocation works. Okay, I think. Wait, I'm going to close my eyes and see if I can locate you. So okay, okay. correct me if I'm wrong. It's not working. It's like radar, right? They just send out high-frequency sound waves, and then it comes back to them, and it basically creates this, like, uh, you know, mental map in their detective system that uh, tells them where everything is that might be coming up in their way. Pretty much. It's sonar. They can move in total darkness, um, and it's basically using the Doppler effect. So they're sending out their sound waves, and it's bouncing off things, and as they fly, they're getting the difference in the wavelengths and working it all out. Yeah, they have uh, high-frequency noises using specially adapted, quote-unquote, super-fast muscles. Uh These muscles can contract 100 times quicker than most human body muscles. The throat muscles contract up to 190 times per second, producing a buzzing to hone in on prey. So it's used primarily for locating moving prey as opposed to avoiding stationary objects. Probably both. Yeah, no, for both. Because you have to – you don't want to – 
hit a cave wall when you're flying around the cave. Yeah, there's stalactite or whatever. Or another bat. And I'm guessing that the uh, this is the reason why um, so many bats have the faces that look like they've exploded. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 weird, like, fleshy. They've got these sort of well, vagina-looking faces. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a satellite dish. It's supposed to focus the sound waves so that they can pick up right. where things are. Got it. Like the leaf-nosed bat or the visored bat. The visored bat likes to play golf. And I read somewhere that ultrasonic sounds are so loud that bats close their ears so they don't go deaf. There's a muscle inside their ears that contracts, closes the ear when they're producing the sounds, but then it has to open rapidly to get the response. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. I wish I had that when I was sitting next to Joe more often. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. All right, let's get to the guano. Boys and girls. G-U-A-N-O. This is bat poo. Yeah. Uh, in some caves, veritable mountains of bat poo build up that support their own ecosystem. I've seen in on the Planet Earth series from BBC, there's a cave in Borneo that has one of the largest concentration of cockroaches living on a carpet of guano. Okay. Basically, every inch is just full of cockroaches. And when baby bats fall from their roost, they can be eaten alive by assassin bugs and centipedes and even crabs. Okay, that, that are live down there. All living in this, and the, but they primarily live in this sea of guano. Mm-hmm. It's just the trickle down effect. It's fine if you don't mind living on shit. <laughs> yep, literally and, trickling down. In the U.S. Civil War, bat droppings were used to make gunpowder and dynamite. Beginning in 1903, mining of guano for fertilizer began at the Carlsbad Caverns in the U.S. And over 20 years, 100,000 tons of guano was mined. Oh, Screw wow. you, cockroaches. The that's a renewable resource. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. true. That's for sure. Uh, the guano apparently sometimes spontaneously combusted. Oh, that can't be good for the bats above it. Oh, God, that has got to be the worst burn ever. The like, you get burn. a guano burn. <laughs> guano miner is one of the worst jobs in the world. <laughs> now, I wasn't able to... F- I, I know that guano produces a large amount of ammonia. But I wonder if it's possible to pass out from breathing in too much ammonia. You could just like... I would say yes, because this has almost happened to me. Oh, okay. As I said, I used to be a wild animal keeper, Uh and I was looking after some lions. And gave them a huge gorge feed one day, so they ate ate a lot. And then they started raining, and they went into their den. And it was raining so heavily they didn't come out for three days, so I couldn't go in and clean their den. Oh, wow. Okay. When they finally left, I went inside, and it was a really badly designed den. It had, you had to actually crawl to get in. Okay. Designed for lions, but not for actual keepers. Right. So I was crawling through sawdust and straw that it had three days' worth of urine on it from three lions. <laughs> It was so foul. My eyes were streaming. Right. And then I started getting dizzy, and I thought, oh, I'm going <laughs> to... You don't want to pass out in a lion's den. <laughs> I would want to be in a scuba suit, I think. I was on my hands and knees, actually crawling, and the urine was pooling around my knees. Oh. <laughs> you think it wouldn't have been that hard to, like, put a drain in there, do you think? like it... If they thought ahead. Old-fashioned zoo designed by a moron. <laughs> um, well, I would say, yeah, you could pass out from... And bat droppers can also be dangerous due to the growth of the fungus histoplasmosis. This disease is breathing spores from the fungus, and the fungus grows on the guano. It's also called spelunker's lung or uh, Mm. caver's disease. It's caused by a fungus, a histoplasma capsulatum. Oh, there you go. Uh, I've got some symptoms here because we all want to know what the symptoms of uh, yeah. histoplasmosis is. Uh, you, and you, when you realize you got it from bat guano, you just uh, uncontrollably say "ew" every like five minutes. <laughs> There's Ugh. that. <laughs> now it's uh, in most people; they will actually have no symptoms or only have mild flu-like illness. 
Uh, but if symptoms do occur, they uh, include fever, chills, cough, chest pain, joint pain, mouth sores. Nice. Uh, red skin bumps called erythema nodosum, most often on the lower legs. Okay. Chronic long-term symptoms include chest pain and shortness of breath, coughing up blood, fever, Yummy. and sweating. Ironically, coughing up blood attracts more bats. <laughs> In a small number of patients, histoplasmosis may spread throughout the body, causing irritation and swelling in response to the infection. So your entire body will swell up, I guess. Oh, God. Term. Headache and neck stiffness from swelling in the covering of the brain and spinal cord. Swelling in the covering of the brain and spinal cord. That sounds like something I don't want. Spelunker's disease. Well, not that I spelunk much, but no. uh, this is certainly my good excuse now for never spelunking <laughs> in down the road. You don't want to get histoplasmosis. Yeah. Somebody go, hey, let's go, let's go in that cave. Let's go on a big hike and spelunk. I'll be like, histoplasmosis. Forget about it. I don't care how, much, how many bat jobs I get. <laughs> Listen, man, you get it from breathing in bat guano fungus. Yeah. So there's reason enough not to go in that cave. <laughs> I read that in the past, people who had tuberculosis, what the uh, doctors would recommend is that they find somewhere cool and dry. Best place to go would be a cave. Okay. Oh. And then their tuberculosis would get better. <laughs> right. All oh, right. So maybe their tuberculosis would get killed by the histoplasmosis. Yeah. <laughs> Let the two diseases fight it out in your chest. All right. Let's get into vampire bats. They spit on an area, it numbs the area, and then they sink their gruesome little fangs. Is that true? Your... They have an anesthetic in their saliva? I don't know. I'm, just, I'm guessing here. They've got an anticoagulant in their saliva, so it keeps the blood flowing. But I don't think they've got an anesthetic. How do you not realize you're being bit then? They're so tiny. And their teeth are absolutely scalpel sharp. Right. You know, a lot of animals have quite thick skins, quite thick hides. Like cows and pigs notice. and stuff like that. And rather than sucking, they make a tiny shallow bowl-shaped wound that fills with blood, which they then lap up. Oh, so it's like mm-hmm. a it's like a, a dog's water bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. They don't use their canine teeth, so when you see vampires with long fangs, that is not um, how they do it. They've actually oh. got their, their front incisors, so they look a bit like rats. They've got these really long front teeth. More like the Nosferatu vampire yeah. than the Buffy the Vampire vampires. Well, that doesn't sound like a wound that I would want to get. Like, how small are vampire bats? Like, give us a, uh, what's the biggest vampire bat out there? Size of your thumb, size of your hand? About the size of the palm of your hand, maybe. And that's with wingspan or like if they're tucked up no, into a little ball? The body be, you know, eight to ten centimeters long. So like a, like a good-sized mouse. Bigger than a mouse, maybe. A little bit bigger than a mouse. They drink half their body weight in one feed, but they are so light this amounts to approximately two tablespoons of blood each night, which they will take from just one host animal. And I figured out how many vampire bats it would take to kill a human. I did some math. Okay. I did some homework. Uh Uh-oh. All right. Torn math. I'm going to go with you need 1,240. Every single bat species would need to (laughs) land on you simultaneously and take their, you know, their two teaspoons of blood and you would collapse. Two teaspoons. Yeah. All right. So a teaspoon is uh, how much, uh, how many milliliters? Uh, 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 not a lot. It's five mils. Uh, yeah. Five? Yeah. So you five? Yeah. So how much? Oh, I can hear the, bur- I, can, can I can feel the burning. Joe's actually doing math. A uh, hundred bats. Ooh, close. Too- 40% or greater is usually considered the maximum amount of blood that an adult can lose before the body can no longer compensate. Uh-huh. In an 80-kilogram or 175-pound adult, this would be about 2.2 liters. Okay. That's 155 tablespoons. Okay. Or so roughly that's... 80 bats. Okay. 
So if you had 80 vampire bats attack you while you were sleeping or uh-huh. just not paying attention right. on your iPhone while you're driving. <laughs> yeah, while you're texting. Is there something I need to know about you guys driving in here today? <laughs> Was Kevin on his phone while driving? They so, could very well kill you. So, Yvonne, what are the chances of 80 vampire bats landing on the same animal at the same time and taking a drink? Well, if Hollywood's taught me anything... <laughs> It happens surprisingly often. No, no. Um, basically, they're like any sort of parasite. They don't want to kill the host because they want to come back again and again for more meals. A right. few might land on the same animal, but, but not heaps. They all go and find their own. But to add insult to injury, not only do they drink the blood, they also pee on the animal while they're doing it. Oh, why? <laughs> because, there. again, they've got this really rapid gut, gut transit time. They only want the nutrition out of the blood. They don't want the extra water. Oh, that right. Is okay. so the they need to keep themselves nice and light to be able to fly back. So, yeah, they just piss out the extra. <laughs> Basically, if I want to be a bat, I go to the grocery store, eat right out of the bulk bin, and then pee on, like, the bag handler as I, like, <laughs> yeah. walk out the door. Every, every one of those their meals is like those times when you're eating while sitting on the toilet. And oh. the other thing is when you get home, if your friend's sitting there and he hasn't managed to find anything to eat, you're going to throw up for him, and he's going to eat that. <laughs> Right, because uh, vampire bats can only go, like, basically two nights without eating before they die. Yeah, so they actually help out their friends. So if they don't get fed, their friends When they get home, if someone hasn't managed to eat, they beg their friends and everyone vomits up a little bit for them. Best and worst roommate of all time. Who wouldn't regurgitate a pizza for a friend? I can't afford this burrito. Will you barf your burrito into my mouth? I'm really hungry. Can, can I have half your burrito? No, guys, you've eaten half your burrito already. He goes, hey, dude, can I have half your burrito? And instead of giving him the half you have in your hand, <laughs> you're like, all right. And you throw up the other half in his mouth. <laughs> and then while he's looking at the vomited up mess, you start eating the, un- the eaten one. No, go ahead, dude. There you go. <laughs> Feel free. Yours. Fill your boots, man. It's pre-chewed. Now when I get the blues, I get me a rocking chair. Goodbye. 
in the history. <laughs> the bat bomb. Oh, bat bomb. okay. Bat bombs were proposed by a dental surgeon in the 1940s. Oh, I thought it was just somebody left the H off of bath bomb. Bath bomb. <laughs> bat bombs were an experimental World War II weapon developed by the United States. The bomb consisted of a bomb-shaped casing mm-hmm. with numerous compartments, uh-huh. each containing a Mexican free-tailed bat with a small timed incendiary bomb attached. Oh. Okay, so, so you got they a bomb. were the they were the sub delivery mechanism. Mm-hmm. You would drop the bomb and the bats would come out and fly around with little bombs on them and spread around. Drop from a bomber at dawn, the casings yeah. would deploy a parachute in mid-flight and open to release up to 1000 bats which would then roost in eaves and attics. Triggered by timers, the incendiaries would start fires oh, in inaccessible places yeah. in the largely wood and paper construction of the Japanese cities that were the weapon's intended target. I right. was going to call this crazy, but it's awesome. Yeah, except for the fact that you can actually just drop an incendiary device and have pretty much the same effect. Yeah, but it won't spread like these bats or get inside the attic. I don't know. Ask the people of Dresden how uh, you know incendiary devices don't really spread I'm, through. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I'm. This is better. That's what I'm saying. Uh, no, this is cooler. Not for the bats. You're, you're just you're hey, nerding they can out. Be part of something bigger than themselves, man. Just because you're nerding out on this doesn't mean it's actually better. So what happened? They uh, they all went brilliant. Release the bats. It was envisioned that 10 B-24 bombers flying from Alaska, each carrying 100 shells packed with bombs carrying bats, could release 1,040,000 bat bombs over the target, the industrial cities of Osaka Bay. During testing in Carlsbad, New Mexico, (laughs) the air base was set on fire when armed bats were accidentally released. The bats roosted (laughs) under a fuel tank and incinerated the test range. <laughs> Why did they actually arm the bats? Yeah. Like, what were they doing? Giving them actual incendiary devices? Like they should have paint bombs. So you just go around and look for the paint yes. that they exploded everywhere. Or just like a beacon or something. So you go, oh, they did roost in something we would like to blow up. Right. More tests were scheduled, but the program was canceled when the fleet admiral heard that it would not be combat ready until mid-1945. By that time, it was estimated that $2 million had been spent in the project. Well, I mean, but what could they have possibly come up that would be more effective than a bat bomb uh, in, 1945? You know, in 1945? Like, I can't think of I a don't single think thing. There was anything else in the American military at the time that could possibly have trumped the bat bomb in effectiveness. Can anybody else think of one? The nuke? Oh! Speaking as a nuclear person. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the likelihood that if they hadn't developed the nuclear uh, uh, atomic device... That we'd be waging bat war right now? (laughs) That we'd be waging bat wars even as we speak. Well, it did get good reviews. It would be the... uh... (laughs) From some of the the upper dudes in the military, but... What what would the arms race have looked like then, right? Like Mm. bats to albatrosses to pelicans. (laughs) Where do you go from albatross? I'm going with pelicans. Condor, I guess. Oh, I see. Do bats have any natural predators? I mean, hawks, maybe? Birds. Oh, oh yeah, birds of oh, prey. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you, get, so you would snakes. set up birds of prey as you defense. Get the hawk shield instead of Star That's Wars, right. right? The uh, right. the intercontinental ballistic hawk, the ICBH. Oh, here's an idea for your next book, Yvonne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds sounds <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when you say snakes, snakes um, do predate on bats around here quite a lot, and then they end up brought into the hospital because the bat struggles on the oh. way down, and so you end up with 
basically a snake that looks like it swallowed an umbrella. Oh my god! <laughs> a snake that looks like it swallowed a what? An umbrella. <laughs> Yvonne, do you know anything about white nose syndrome? Yeah. Oh. Um, luckily, we don't have it here in Australia. So you were just a uh, um, you were you were big in the eighties. That you're saying, Yvonne? Studio Fifty Four. Studio that white nose syndrome. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, but not if you're a bat. It's a disease that's um, affecting bats in North America, and it's killed at least six million of Whoa. them. Oh. And it's a fungal growth that grows around their noses and on their wings when they're hibernating. So basically, they wake up out of their torpor and got a mortality rate of up to 95%. So, but, so 95%. So this, this fungus just grows on them until they can't fly or breathe or eat or whatever? Yep. And, and it starts typically in the nose? That's why it's called white nose syndrome? Yes. So when you see a bat with it, they've just sort of got this crusty white deposit around the nose. It's a bit like Charlie Sheen, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I see that U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has called a moratorium on caving activities in the affected areas and strongly recommends that any clothing or equipment used in such areas be decontaminated after use. Oh, because we're, we're, getting, we're getting the fungus on people now, too? Just because they don't want people to spread it. Right, right. Because oh, if you go to one cave that has it, they don't want you to then wear those Take clothes in another cave. cave and infect that other cave. So okay. does the fungus live on the cave walls, and then when they hibernate in that cave, it like attach, it's just spores in the air and attaches to them? Is that how it works? I don't know. I, I guess it would be spores, but it's probably from bat to bat. All that fellatio. If you ever see a bat colony, they're crammed in together. Yeah, they just live like millions of them live together. Yeah. In if a one comes in with it, it's just going to spread to all of them. Well then, public service announcement, Yvonne? What to do if a bat attacks you? Well, you're supposed to stay calm. Uh-huh. If it attacks, it's almost certain to be infected with rabies. Right. Bats don't attack people for no reason. No matter how big your hair is. Well, maybe if you've got a beehive hairdo. <laughs> mm. You can't get rabies from feces or urine or saliva or anything like that. Only a bite that penetrates the nerve. But you're supposed to flush it out with soap and water. Okay. Then use some alcohol or betadine or something like that and scrub and scrub and scrub as hard as you can. If you can kill the bat without getting any more bites or endangering anyone else, then do so. But it's going to die anyway. You know, it's not likely to go around biting too many more people. Should you save that bat? Put it in a little baggie? Yep. Then they can at least test it, see if it has rabies and no. But in any case, you're going to get a course of shots. That'll be fun. Yeah, I hear rabies shots are tons of fun. <laughs> rabies shots are pretty bad after the effect, after the event. Because I work with bats, I've had rabies shots beforehand. Oh, yeah. And they're fine. They just go in your arm. Right. As it, It's just an inoculation. It's just an inoculation. And then if I get bitten, I still need a course, but not as bad as if I hadn't been pre-exposed. In the yeah. news. <laughs> Researchers are increasingly discovering what might be good reason to fear bats. They could be the source of a dizzying array of lethal viruses. Okay. But it could be our own fault. Oh, hoisted on our own... Uh, batard. Batard. <laughs> At least one of the deadliest viruses to afflict the human race recently could have come from bat eating. Oh. oh. The Chamorro people from Guam have a much higher incidence of motor neuron disease, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's. Uh, bats eat cycad fruit, which has neurotoxins, and it concentrates in the flesh of the bat. Bats are so tasty, though, <laughs> that people have eaten one species to extinction, and a second species exists only on a U.S. military base, but people are breaking in to catch them. Bats are tasty. What? Really? It's the neurotoxins. It's the tasty, tasty neurotoxins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if only if only we'd known uh, long before now that neurotoxins made things 
tastier, mm-hmm. we'd have been killing ourselves all over the world. Gluttony trumps health every time. Scientists have discovered that bats can harbor paramyxoviruses, a large family of viruses that include measles, mumps, pneumonias, and colds. Two extremely dangerous paramyxoviruses linked with bats, <laughs> Nipa and Hendra, can cause brain inflammation, killing half of all patients. Oh, wow. 50%. The bats themselves apparently suffer no ill effects from the disease. Hmm. Uh, in addition to paramyxoviruses, bats, flying foxes in particular, may also be the origin of some of the most deadly emerging viruses. Scientists analyzed blood, throat, and fecal swabs from 408 wild bats from China. Genetic analysis revealed five bats, which represented three of nine species of horseshoe bats uh, tested, possessed viruses closely related to SARS. Is one of the symptoms of this uh, mumbling when you talk? Because it would explain Ozzy Osbourne quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) And in 2001 and 2003, virologists in Gabon tested 1,000 animals. Uh, 16 had antibodies against Ebola, and 13 others possessed Ebola gene sequences. The sequences indicated that Ebola probably has spent a long time within bats, suggesting bats might be the origin. Of Ebola? Oh, we'll call back to so our Ebola episode. don't eat bats. Don't eat bats. Right. No matter how, how smothered. But you have a... You... Do you want to hear a bat recipe? Yes. Give us the bat recipe okay. that you should so not use. this is a bat recipe from Guam. <laughs> Yeah. And this is the recipe for the, you know, the extinct bats. First, you grab your flying fox. You're definitely looking for a substitute ingredient now. <laughs> oh, any flying fox will do. Okay. First, you shampoo it. Okay. okay. Then you boil the whole thing in coconut cream with ginger and salt and a chopped onion. Okay, but you know, now you're not even tasting the bat anymore. <laughs> but you're going to eat it whole. You're going to eat it with fur, bones, membranes, organs, and everything. Oh, wow. So it's like the brain, the tasty, tasty neurotoxin-laden brain. This is like eating a soft-shell crab. You do the exact same thing with soft-shell crab. They just batter it and deep-fry it, and you eat the whole thing. I guess you need to have a big plate of them to enjoy them, then. Crabs don't have fur, though. Well, they do have shells. They do have shells that you eat. I don't know which is worse. And then you can regurgitate your bat hair pellets. <laughs> well, in this regard, it's the, that like super fast digestive tract actually works out because there's no like there's no poop or pee left in them. Except for what you had to boil off of the skin when you mm-hmm. cooked them. Really, that's clean, shampoo shampooed them whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah bacon flavored shampoo, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I like where this is going now. Do you guys have apple shampoo? Oh, apple shampoo. That's right. Yeah, we do. That's what you want on your fruit bat. So you boil it in this coconut cream with all these like spices and other vegetables and stuff like that. And then you like eat it like a soup broth or do you just pull the bat out and just chow down like a batsicle? You sort of, it's in your bowl and you kind of chop it up and eat it with a bit of soup and a bit of bat. Yeah. So you boil it long enough for like the whole thing to just soften up that you can just like eat it whole. Huh. You, you want it a little crunchy, just, though. Just starts yeah. to fall off the bone. In there. Yeah. <laughs> also in the news from 2010, Peru's health ministry has sent emergency teams to a remote Amazon region to battle an outbreak of rabies spread by vampire bats. Four children in the Awajan indigenous tribe died after being bitten by the blood-sucking animals. Health workers have given rabies vaccine to more than 500 people who have also been attacked. 500 attacks? That's a that's huge. Uh, some experts have linked mass vampire bat attacks on people in the Amazon to deforestation. Dun, dun, dun. Surprise, surprise. The indigenous community appealed for help after being unable to explain the illness that had killed the children. Most of the affected population have now been vaccinated, the health ministry said, although a few had refused treatment. 
anti-vaxxers, even in the Amazon. <laughs> yeah, they probably thought it was going to cause autism. Yeah. <laughs> Rather have rabies. The almost nil chance of having autism versus the much larger chance That's, of having rabies. Yeah, especially when you got bloodthirsty rabies-laden vampire bats attacking 500 people in a pretty small area. Vampire bats usually feed on wildlife or livestock, but are sometimes known to turn to humans for food, particularly in areas where the rainforest habitat has been destroyed. I watched a video on the YouTube mm-hmm. for vampire bats were attacking a pig. Okay. And, of course, as we mentioned, they use their uh, noses, which have heat sensors, to find the best places to get the blood from, the best veins or locations. Uh Can you guess where on this pig the vampire bats were sucking blood from? balls. I would go for the scrotum. Butthole? It it was their teats. There were four bats suckling from the pig's teats like little piglings. Oh, that's it was great. awesome. Well, let's go to pop culture then. All right. The Mayan peoples. Oh, yeah? Kamazots was the bat god. And Kamazots means death bat in the K'iche language. Mm, uh-huh. In Mesoamerica, the bat was associated with night, death, and sacrifice. Although that... I get the feeling that most Aztec gods were <laughs> to do with death sac- and sacrifice. Right. There, there'd be food, death and sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Fertility, death the and sacrifice. sacrifice. Yeah. Good television, death and sacrifice. <laughs> and in literature, you have the Silverwing series of books by Kenneth Opal. It's a trilogy, Silverwing, Sunwing, and Firewing. Uh-huh. Uh, the tone and artistic ambition of this series of bestsellers has been compared to the classic animal novel Watership Down. Oh, so like the main characters just like personified, like really exactly human-like bats. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And in fact, I watched the first five minutes of the cartoon because they made a cartoon series out of it. Well, oh, okay. bestseller after all. Yeah. Uh, d- yeah. Didn't do it for you? No. They did kind of interpret the uh, echolocation aspect kind of interestingly and... Mm-hmm. And probably as best as you could. Could, yeah. yeah. He would show them doing the scream, and then the, the moth that he was trying to catch would, right. like, flash or oh, whatever. Yeah. Bling, bling. Yeah, you know, seemed, like, seemed reasonable. Like in the old Dragon Slayer game, whenever you need to go a certain direction. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, Yvonne, you watched the 1979 movie Nightwing? Oh, I wish I had. <laughs> it's one of these things that came after Jaws where you choose an animal and just demonize it. Right. You know, after Jaws, people went out and they killed sharks. And I don't know if the same thing would have happened for bats, but there was um, Native American reservation. And... Um, there's a whole lot of mystical mumbo-jumbo. And then some happy, clappy Christians come to tell them about the truth, about right, the Lord, yeah. and the bats get them. Oh. The main thing I learned is that Christians like to wear highly flammable clothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you bats know, If a bat's going like... for them and they trip over a fire, they're just going to go straight out oh, the flames. Oh, there you and go. And that they're quite prepared to drive over each other's heads in an emergency. Oh, okay. <laughs> in the end... Um, Turns out the bats are under some sort of supernatural control, and it takes Indian woo-woo to get rid of them. Uh, One of the stars was David Warner, who you guys may remember as the villain of Tron. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And the voice of uh, Rachel Ghoul in the animated Batman series. Okay. Yvonne, you also watched The Devil Bat, as as did I, from 1940. Its tagline was, shark-fanged, blood-sucking death dives from midnight skies. A small-town cosmetic company chemist, played by Bella Lugosi, upset at his wealthy employers, creates giant bats using electricity. Oh, so Frankenstein bats. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. He conditions them to kill those wearing a special aftershave lotion he has concocted. And then he just, like, throws it on people? And he, well, he lets it, lets it go at night. And you hope that the intended victim is outside. Wearing this particular wearing cologne. The, well, yeah. He gives away the aftershave to everyone. 
And yes. as he gives it, he says, just dab a little right here on the tender areas. And he sort of pats his throat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, you, and you had mentioned before about the screaming noise that the devil bat makes before it attacks. So they've got this sort of rubber bat on a wire that comes down out of the sky and uh, makes this horrendous screaming noise. It's quite funny. Every time they cut to a close-up of a bat, it's actually a cute little baby flying fruit bat. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So well, he's on. trained it to hate the smell of this uh, of this cologne, this aftershave. So whenever it comes across it, uh, when it's out at night, it will go right right for you and attack you. So Vaughn, now you rather than avoid something that he doesn't like. <laughs> yeah, that's... you definitely have heard this scream. So you can do an impression for us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's quite good, actually. That's good. And this was a weird movie because it was kind of like, it was half horror. All the stuff with Bela Lugosi was horror. Right. But then this hotshot reporter and his photographer come out to the estate of the wealthy employers who are cosmetic moguls or whatever. And that's all comedy. And it's pretty funny. Like, there are some laugh out loud moments. It's comedy. Yeah. So it's kind of like half horror. Have comedy, but they don't really intersect. Like, in they, any way. like, do they have two directors, or except that every time Bella Lugosi gives someone some aftershave, he says goodbye. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> and then kind of smiles quietly to himself. This makes you think this was originally written as like a super dark comedy, but then when they got Bella Lugosi, they're like, oh, we just cast Bella Lugosi. We got to make it horror. Yeah, right. He's a yeah. horror guy, or he was just incapable of doing it funny. Yeah. <laughs> Let's change the name of the movie from Hilarious Romp to Devil Bat. <laughs> But the editor of the newspaper was played by Arthur Q. Bryant. You guys know who that is? No idea. I'll give you a hint. Be very, very quiet. We're hunting devil bats. The voice of Elmer Fudd. Yeah, the original Elmer Fudd. Did he sound like Elmer Fudd in the role? (laughs) Yes, yes, he did. (laughs) He didn't didn't have the wisp. Right. But but everything else was the same. I also watched uh, Lou Diamond Phillips in Bats. From 1999. Uh-huh. That also sounds terrible. Also starring <laughs> Dina Meyer from uh, Starship Troopers. Right. And who she... On her way down, on her <laughs> way like out as a, uh, you well, know... Apparently she also plays Batgirl in, in the Birds of Prey TV series. Little, another bat oh. Dina Meyer. link there. Yeah. I worked with Dina Meyer once. Have you ever worked with Bob Gunton? No. He was the warden from the Shawshank uh, Redemption. Yeah. Uh, he played the uh, kind of mad government scientist who uh, created the bats. Did you see this also, Yvonne? Yeah. What was your impression? In terms of the science, pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's got Lou Diamond Phillips, so... So now what was what was the thing about these bats? They were Well, they were they'd been engineered with a virus to become smarter, omnivorous and more aggressive. They were flying foxes. So they would now eat Basically, meat. Basically, they turned from flying foxes into giant microbats. They didn't look like bats flying foxes people. either. This is the bat version of Deep Blue Sea. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was some kind of cool scenes in it. They had warned the town, everyone evacuate, everyone stay indoors, whatever. Yeah. Because genetically engineered bats are coming, they're going to kill you. And when they went to town... Everyone was out, everyone was partying, and the, and the mayor said, they just didn't listen. <laughs> they didn't believe it. So then, of course, all the bats come, and there's like 20 minutes of just carnage. mad bat chaos carnage. Yeah, was, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you have to watch it. If you have to watch it, like somebody's <laughs> got a gun to your head. Well, just, yeah. Enjoy those parts. It's, it's at 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And Batman Begins, we mentioned that Bruce Wayne was a corruptophobe, mm-hmm. but he also had, as I recall, he had in that movie a device that would let him control bats. Yeah, that was an odd decision. 
let's let Batman control bats. And then they never used it again in any of the subsequent movies. Right. Yeah. Batman Begins, I thought, like, had a lot of holes in it. It was certainly yeah. not as accomplished a film as The Dark Knight. Batman Begins was really great until we saw Dark Knight and went, oh, no, this is really great. Yeah. And that one has some problems. I actually really liked Batman Begins up until the point where he actually put the costume on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you I like the I'm, origin story. You yeah. didn't really like Christian Bale talking in his yeah. tough guy oh. voice. You know what he should have done? Should have got one of those modulators that uh, Stephen Hawking has. So no Batman talk like this. <laughs> Stop. He should have just echolocated. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Instead of going down. I talk like this all the time. I'm the Batman. I suspect the second movie would not have made like two billion dollars had that been the Batman voice. And of course, uh, you remember the scene from Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom where Indy says, those aren't birds, doll. They're giant vampire bats. No. We, we all tried yeah, to put Temple of Doom out, yeah. of our, out of our minds. Even back then in 1980-whatever, I knew that that was bullshit. <laughs> Well, a giant can be a relative term. Like, they could be giant with respect to the vampire bat world. Why, these vampire bats are almost four inches long. <laughs> They're, They're giant. giant. Yeah. In the comics, you have Man-Bat. Curious enough, isn't he like an uncle or cousin of Bruce Wayne? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Man-Bat is related. He's the one that's more bat than man. That's right. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of a, he's a, like a man-sized bat creature. Dr. Kirk Langstrom, a scientist specializing in the study of bats, develops an extract intended to give humans a bat's uh, echolocation sense and tests the formula on himself. Uh, it's, uh, it's Batman's version of the Spider-Man's lizard. Yeah, because apparently he's becoming deaf. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of course, there's a terrible side effect. It transforms him into a hideous man-sized bat. And he also takes away his intelligence, so he goes on a mad rampage. I like the way that um, that man-bat has been represented in some of the art. Like He's more interesting visually than, I think, the penguin, for instance. But again, scientifically speaking, <laughs> he does have the problem where his uh, wings come out of his arms and they're not his actual fingers. Right. So he but, still has a hand on top of his wing. But that's the man slash bat part that's of the equation. Fair enough. Right. And in the Batman animated series, the episode On Leather Wings, he was voiced by Mark Singer, better known as uh, the inventor of the uh, sewing machine. Beastmaster. Oh, the oh, Beast. okay. Beastmaster. And in The Batman, the cartoon series from 2004, he was voiced by Peter McNichol. The Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Oh. I made drippings with goo from uh, Ghostbusters 2 as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Peter McNichol. In the world of games, thanks to our intern Todd for bringing this to our attention, Invasion of the Mutant Space Bats of Doom. Okay. Ooh. What? Sounds good. <laughs> Yvonne, a little exclamation of joy. <laughs> you want to you find this? Well, Todd says that it is a Galaga-style shoot-em-up. And the title sounds cooler than the actual gameplay. Uh, wah, wah, wah. Bats are in just about every single video game ever as generally a super annoying but easy to kill right. type mon- right. like enemy. They always die very quickly, right? You don't have yeah. a bat with a lot of health, but they're flapping around and yeah. small and getting in your way and you're trying to get the adventure done and here's a bat. And, uh... <laughs> you just have to try to avoid it. I seem to remember in Pit Trap. If you got touched by a bat, you would die. But yeah. if you touched anything in <laughs> Pit Trap, you, you would mean die. Pitfall. Pitfall, right? Yeah. And in the Tick cartoon, there's Deflator Mouse. Oh, yes, of yes. course. 
Or uh, in the live-action tick, Bat-Manuel. Yes, yeah. because they couldn't get the rights, apparently, right. for, between the cartoon and the, and the TV series for some reason. Yvonne, you know what Deflatermouse, how that translates? Uh, that's German for Fluttermouse. Fluttermouse. So, yeah. uh, that's what the Germans call a microbat, and they call a megabat a Flughund. Flughund. So a flying, flying hound. dog? Yeah. Flying hmm. dog. A Fluttermouse and a flying dog. I, I love how the German language just takes words, mashes them together, and makes new words. Yeah. I, it's, I, I'm not being ironic at all. I think that's awesome. My favorite is cats and snoring. Cats and snoring? Which means purring. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> of course, the best use in the history of pop culture has to be the Thundar the Barbarian episode, Raiders of the Abyss. Oh, yeah. Where you get the raiders from the abyss flying giant bats. Ooh. That's pretty cool. It is cool. Well, how much did we talk about Batman himself? I mean, I guess we did the movies, but the the comic book criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. All of which are chiroptophobes, I guess. Uh-huh. I, yeah. The the idea is, uh, especially when he first shows up, that people are saying that there's a giant bat that's attacking all these criminals because right. they don't get a good a good view of him. Yeah, that's he's true. just like a shadow in the so night. So this tale goes through the underworld of crime of a giant bat attacking criminals. But are criminals a superstitious, cowardly lot more so than uh, non criminals? I think only well, because they're no. I that's the thing. I think <laughs> humans are a superstitious, cowardly lot, <laughs> and criminals are humans. Uh, you guys seen the Bat Boy meme? Oh, oh yes. yeah, in the weekly world news yeah one of the most famous uh, weekly world news stories bat boy found in cave that make it all the way down to australia it's everywhere <laughs> and uh that one has actually become bat boy the musical bat boy the musical is an american musical with a book by keith farley and brian fleming and music and lyrics by Lawrence o'keefe it's based on the june 23rd 1992 weekly world news story about a half boy half bat dubbed bat boy who grew up living in a cave nice. now was it a micro bat boy or a mega bat boy well the thing is he's got really big eyes right uh-huh. but he's also got the micro bat ears Oh. And his teeth are just completely wrong, so... I don't Do you know. suspect this might be made up? I'm starting to think so. I wonder if he got a job uh, working in professional baseball. Oh, then he'd be a double bat boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> Yvonne, is there anything you want to plug? I write books, and I've got a couple of novels out that I think would probably appeal to your listeners. They're dark comedy, mm. and uh, they can find them at www.vonwritesbooks.com. What are they called? There's one called The Last Resort, and the other one's called Unlucky Stiff. I like the titles. Uh-huh. Unlucky Stiff. <laughs> it's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, oh, Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while undergoing buckyball therapy. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. 
Visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast, or email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I don't. I don't know how they how they do it now. It used to be into the abdomen. Oh. So, um, yeah. Oh. I imagine that would be quite painful. I don't want anything being forced into my abdomen. I don't like getting punched in the abdomen. Really? What That's... if that punch has medicine in it? <laughs> medicine punch. <laughs> <laughs>